the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. All right, folks. Hey, welcome to Yak Radio FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer this hour is brought to you by Southwest Point of Sale. Hey, these guys are amazing. They they produce a point of sale product for small stores. That is awesome. What does that mean? Well, if you're a small market, neighborhood grocery store or liquor store, and you're having trouble getting cashiers, well, hey, Southwest Point of Sale has an answer for you. It's inexpensive, costs no more than a cash register. And what they'll do is they come out to your facility, they'll take a look at it, and if your facility meets their their standards, boom, they'll hook you up. You end up with 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week service, and, uh, and it comes complete with a barcode reader, cash box, uh, a meat scale, as well as vegetables. So it's one-stop shop. Give them a call, 1-800-540-2149. Jeff and Mark, family owned and operated, they'll do that for you and take care of all of your needs. Just remember, they're San Diego-based. You need to go to call to action at southwestpos.com. They service everything they sell, again, remote and on-site, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Check them out. And we really want to give a big shout-out to our next sponsor on the show, and that would be, as soon as I get back to my right page here, uh, San Diego Propane. If you're out in East County and you need propane, boy, I tell you, I've got them and I love them. Family owned and operated. The only downsize is they only do East County. But go to sd-propane.com. Tell them where you live. See if it works out. 619-460-1705. And West Escondido Auto and Transmissions, four locations, not one, not two, not three, but four all throughout the county. Napa Auto Care, ASC certified, uh, AAA approved, warranties good, clear across the United States. Go to westautomotivegroup.com. All right. Hey, I had, was up in uh, L.A. That's all I can say. And I met with Bob Bonifaci. He's a director of Buick Exterior and Interior Design, along with Sharon uh, Gotchi. She's the executive director for Buick and GMC Design, and we talked about the new Buick Wildcat concept. While you're listening, go to Google, punch that in, and sit back, and you will be blown away. Hey, folks, guess what? I have got an amazing set of interviews set up for you today. I am in an undisclosed location in Los Angeles. No, that's not really the truth, but you'd never know we were where we were at. And we're going to talk about the Buick EV Wildcat concept. And if you're a TV buff, you will have seen the commercial by the time this airs. With me today is uh, Bob uh, Bonifaci. He's the director of Buick Internal and External. And we're going to talk a little bit about how this vehicle came to be. Bob, welcome to the show. Great to be here. So talk to me. How did this all come about? Because, man, once people see it, it's really going to blow them away. You know, the car came about in a fairly organic fashion. Um, 
we had challenged the designers in the studio to free reign, take the uh, handcuffs off. If you could design a new face for the brand, what would you do? And uh, one of our designers just did a single sketch that caught all of our attention. So we decided to uh, build a scale model of that. The scale model got noticed. Uh, someone said make it a full-size model. It became an internal concept, and then, of course, it got approved for uh, revealed to the world as a true concept. So there's a lot more to this story, but that's generally the timeline of where the car came from. Well, we're going to talk more about it down the road. But And when you say, you know, to have one of your designers, I asked you earlier, what was the average age of your designers? Most of the team is under age 30. I would say maybe 30 is about the average, yeah. And, and I think you were so smart to tap you know, that age group, because I think that's where they're the most enthusiastic. That's where they have the ideas. And, and nobody works here unless they're car guys or car girls, right? Yeah, if you want to meet, you will never meet a more profound group of automotive enthusiasts than in the automotive design community. And we've got plenty of them in the Buick studio. So when, when you had it drawn and then you guys sat, now you knew it was going to be an EV. I mean, that was that that was going in. So that had to sort of add to the design, would you say? Yeah, it added to the, to the design. It really um, colored the way they were going to attack the front end of the car. And when you got to the interior, how they were going to use the space in the interior of the car. Because, you know, the battery is under the floor and you can do a lot more, a lot more flexibility and freedom of design in the interior. So, yeah, we knew it was an EV going in. Well, and when you went to the when you go to the interior, folks, when you see the doors open, and the doors don't open like a normal door, they they're not gull wings, but the roof panels come up, and the doors are massive. One door allows uh, to be able to get in and out the front and the back seat comfortably. Right, it's a fairly long door, and so the the side glass, the DLO, we call it daylight opening, it tapers toward the rear of the car. So to aid in entry and egress, getting in and out of the car, we wanted the roof to swing open a few degrees. We call it a semi-swing door to let people get their head in and out of the car a little more easily. And the other thing, and now granted, it is a concept, so I'm, we're not sure what it's going to look like when it finally hits the Buick dealers. But, you know, a lot of the EVs out there and other cars, too, they like to put this 55-foot iPad in the center of the dash. You didn't do that. No. One, one of the things when we attacked the interior, uh, we didn't want to follow trends. And you see that with a lot of the startups. Just put a large format uh, rectangular display. Sculptural beauty is one of the brand pillars for Buick, whether you're talking about the exterior or the interior. So... The 30.4-inch fully L reconfigurable LT LCD screen you see in the car, it flows naturally. It fits into the shapes within the interior, so it's a very hospitable place to be. And it, I have to say, it looks like a piece of jewelry, not only inside but outside. Whether that was the man mindset or not, I think that was the end result. Yeah, I mean, jewelry is a good way to put it. I mean, the car, we didn't want it to be – EVs can have – the image of being austere or simply only existing for efficiency purposes. Um, we wanted to take it a step further than that. We've got 100 years of history of advanced designs within Buick. Add some of that ornamentation, some of that jewelry, some of that excitement to the car, even though it's an EV. Right. And the fact that, you know, like we talked about, it, especially when you do concepts, everything's there for a reason. There's no fluff. Everything has functionality, and 
once it, the drawing was done, did the rest of the team say, oh, my goodness, let's jump on this? Yeah, it really became a team effort because even though it was one designer's sketch that was selected, everyone had a hand in the development of that car in the studio from the sculpting team to the interior designers to the exterior designers to the color and trim designers to the folks within the fab fabrication shop who built the car. And we developed this over about three years, so a lot of hands went into that, but we all had the same mindset. We had a common ownership of the car. Now, is this Buick's normal uh, way of doing business by having one person design a car versus everybody design the car? Then you've got the complication of, you know, picking what of the seven or eight designs that come out, and then you're going to upset six and make one happy. I mean, did you put that into the consideration when you chose the designer? No. Generally, whenever a theme is picked for a production car or a concept car, multiple designers contribute, oh. and one person's sketch will be selected as the general way forward but that's just a sketch there's a lot of work that makes it into a real car and that's where the entire team comes into play right so we won't even talk about propulsion or nothing like that because that's down the road because once it gets on the on the road and, and journalists get to get behind the wheel and you get to get behind the wheel and actually drive it I know a lot of the people that put it together have driven it. You're just not lucky enough. I don't know. Who's your boss? We'll have to talk to her. I, you'll talk to her next. I could, I could drive it if I want. I'm just sort of afraid to. <laughs> oh, come on. you got to talk to this guy. Can't be. You haven't driven it either? Oh, no. You can't. You can't. You cannot. You cannot be afraid to drive it. But tell me a little bit about the, the Buick emblem that has been with Buick for over 100 years. You still have it. But it's definitely in the in the twenties. So the tri shield itself hasn't been around since the beginning. So this the tri shield has been uninterrupted since nineteen ninety. But the tri shield came out in nineteen fifty nine at first. So it's for most of Buick's history there has been a tri shield, and it was always surrounded by a um, circular mm -hmm. periphery, right. and it always lived within the grill. So. We went back a little further to Buick's heyday uh, when the original Wildcats came out, um, Roadmasters and things right. like that. And the badges were traditionally body-mounted at that point. And some of the designers, again, just giving them free reign. What would you do with the tri-shield? So let's be a tri-shield. What would you do if you wanted to update it? And every one of them removed the ring first. And then we tried a variation of stair-step and horizontals. And the one you see on the car is the one that was selected, and we're really proud of it. Well, it's interesting. Remember when uh, Cadillac changed their emblem and they took all the colors out of it and they more people hated that. They yelled and hollered and screamed because they liked that really unique. Were you ever afraid the Buick would, would uh, emblem would come out with that same, you know, negative attitude? I personally think it's gorgeous, but were you even concerned about it? No, I wasn't concerned because it still has largely the same format. It's three colors left to right with the sash, as we say, the upper left or upper left to lower right diagonal slice across the three colors swatches. Um, people are going to know it's a Buick. It's just a little more updated, a little more modern. Let me see how much time we got here because we got to save some as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the used to be rear view mirrors, which are no longer rear view mirrors, but they are out there hanging on the door. You went a totally different direction there as well. Yeah, we placed rear-view cameras on the vehicle um, to reduce the size of the mirror uh, because, you know, large mirror heads um, are noisy, a lot of wind noise, and they contribute to aerodynamic drag. And for a vehicle like this, it's an EV, you don't want wind noise. 
and you want to in improve the driving range, which is you know, is related to aerodynamic efficiency. But what we did is we put the cameras on there, and the display screen is in the uh, upper door panel on the driver and passenger side. So you can still look to the same location in the vehicle, but you see an unobstructed view out the rear of the car. Wow, that's amazing. All right, and we are going to talk with Sharon Gauchi. She, as I mentioned, the executive director of design, Buick and GMC. So you're kind of the mother over this uh, little car? Well, Kind of, sort of, yes, no. And, and I want to say on the record, Bob, you can drive the car. <laughs> but I have responsibility of both brands from a design point of view. So when you say you have design, I mean, you have you know, direction. Do you just kind of let these guys and girls go and then you kind of look at it and then put your two cents in? Yeah, I have a great re job responsibility of, you know, overseeing everything that's happening in the studios from a program point of view, from a vision point of view. You know, generally, um, the team is so wonderfully creative, and I have such a wonderful leadership team that they really make my job easy. So, of course, I have an opinion about the vision, and of course, I have an opinion about where the brand needs to go. But from a day-to-day -day point of view, it's Bob and the team who are really making the magic happen. Does your opinion change as the vehicle evolves? You know, because when they, you know, bring certain concepts to you, well, use the mirrors, for example. I mean, or have you, or have you had, or have you been pretty lucky that whatever they brought to you, you've been pretty, uh, you know, receptive to? In the case of this vehicle, the Wildcat, I think there was so much about the vehicle that was cohesive from the very beginning. There was a sketch that was on the board that got everyone excited, and it really didn't change from the sketch. Um, the details that the team rallied behind to bring to life didn't change. I, I would say there's one area where, um, you know, I became quite vocal about um, how we were going to present the vehicle to the world. And in the area of color and trim, which is so important because really how we dress the vehicle in terms of its color, how we decide to show off all of the beautiful form language and everything that's gone into the details through color and materials really becomes important and can't just be applied. So the original concept from, uh, for this vehicle from a color and materiology point of view, I didn't necessarily feel like it really was going to showcase the beauty of the design. And so we completely changed uh, the, the direction for the exterior color, the direction for the interior. And I think in a way that really speaks to the beautiful surface language that speaks to what the interior does in terms of allowing elements to float. And then also speaks to the vehicle. There's so much beautiful metal work on the car that it really also needed to have its moment. So the exterior color has a beautiful contrast and allows the metal to speak um, and allows you to see all of the details. I totally agree, and I think that's why I use the terminology jewelry, because there's a thin, fine line between beauty and gaudiness, and that's a, that's a hard you know, thing to do. I mean, you guys truly hit it right on, on top, but then all of a sudden you threw orange seatbelts in the car. Yeah, so, I mean, really the first read, you want to see the car. And so the exterior color allows you to see the form, to see the proportion, to see the size. It's not just about seeing the, the, the color first. And then you go on the inside, the exterior color is so 
beautifully neutral that allows you to be a little bit more expressive on the inside. So now when you open the door and you have a look at the inside, we've got this wonderful contrast between this very deep, rich Legato green color that is accentuated with the light white and of course the material is simple it's a mixture of fabric and synthetic material and there's all of this jewelry element and then oh my gosh a pop of color the coral the orange that accents and it's just unexpected but striking and not overpowering I totally agree because it caught me off guard at first, you know. And then you, you, you throw, even though you're not into motorsports, which we'll talk about that later, but you put the flat bottom steering wheel on it for anybody, a gearhead, they know that's a kind of a kind of an homage to motorsports. Not that Buick wasn't into motorsports back in the early, early days, the 1900s. But the seats, how much, I mean, you guys must have put just months into the design of those seats. The seats are a beautiful piece of of design, but also artwork in themselves. You know, the designer behind the seats sketched something that literally was brought to life from oversight of the design team, but an incredible team of craftspeople. I mean, hours and hours of labor just in the seat itself. I remember... I would visit the shop daily early in the mornings before my studio reviews just to have a look at the progress and to see all the bits and pieces laid out on the table and start to understand how this was all coming together was really quite exciting. Everything was laid out like a recipe, but instead of words, with real materials, real pieces of metal and big pieces of metal and down to the detail of what does the brushing texture look like you know you don't want it to be overbrushed but not underbrushed and so there was just so much work that went into the seats alone well speaking of time how much time from drawings to clay to what we have out here how how many months did you have to put into this car this car was a process for a number of reasons um in terms of time from sketch to full size to production of the concept vehicle a number of years but that wasn't because of the time it took the design team and the and the the team who put it together it it was it was simply because at the same time we were creating this concept vehicle there were other things that were happening in the studio that we needed this vehicle to speak to. So the same team who were putting together the concept vehicle, the Wildcat concept vehicle, were also the same team designing all of our production programs. All of this is happening at the same time. So we're creating a future vision for the brand from a design point of view, working on concept and doing production vehicles at the same time. And the new badge. Yeah, I know. That had to be just, I could just see one of the designers I got to get back over to the Wildcat. I got okay. I got to hurry up and, and get the Enclave down. Okay, let's go back. Let, come on, guys, let's go. Let's head up. <laughs> I don't. I, I couldn't help myself, but that just that just seemed like the like the norm. You know that, that that's what that's what it would be all about. Um, a very impressive vehicle. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the taillights because you just didn't throw a set of taillights in this car. No, the beauty of the taillights are. When they're off, they have a, a, a beautiful depth that's almost like um, diamond-like, where you can see through. But the tail lights are expressive in their shape, but they're also expressive in terms of what they do from an animation point of view. So they are they they basically sing and come to life 
on and off. Right. You know, they're really quite beautiful. Well, the whole car is quite beautiful, and I, I think you probably – your team has got to be majorly excited about about this car and and can't wait to see what the general public is going to think about it the competition is going to be absolutely floored uh which can't help that at all all right let's take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna do two more interviews and then we're gonna go out and take some photos stay tuned all right folks welcome back you're listening to yak radio with dave stall this segment is brought to you by South Bay Auto House. If you have a Mercedes-Benz and you're looking forward to an alternative, then South Bay Auto House is it. These guys do a phenomenal job. They're trained uh, for over 20 years. It's no different than a dealership. It's just better customer service, better prices. They have all the parts necessary. Go to South Bay Auto House or AutoHouseSouthBay.com. South Bay Doggone it. AutoHouseSouthBay.com. Get it right, Stahl. And they'll take really, really good care of you. Also, Bumper Doc Santee scratches dings and dents. Nobody takes better care of you than Bumper Doc Santee. Go to SanteeBumperDoc.com and tell them you heard it right here on KCBQ. All right, this next one uh, is going to be, I think, with uh, Bob. So sit back and take a listen about the Buick Wildcat concept. All right, folks, we are back with the Buick Wildcat EV concept, and we've got uh, Bob with us. He's the director of Buick Exterior and Interior. So, Bob, what is it about the car that maybe you would like the general public to know, either when they first see it or when they get to do a walk-around? I would like them to know how important this vehicle is in the trajectory of Buick's history. Uh, if you look back at Buick's history, starting with Harley Earl, who is the basically the creator of the study of automotive design, he, cre- he created the field of automotive design. Buick created the first concept car in 1938 with the Wildcat, or I'm sorry, with the Y-Job. And in the 1950s, Harley Earl used Buick as his playground, so to speak. He did his most forward-looking, expressive work with the Buick brand. Um, and he saved the name Wildcat for his most forward-looking brand. And when I say work, and when I say forward-looking, he was looking forward with optimism toward the future. And at that time, the future was the jet age. And so the design of the cars embraced that uh, sort of way of thinking. We're in a different time now, but the same sort of mindset. Uh, optimism for the future, optimism, optimism for future technology. This time, it's EV electric vehicles, and AV, autonomous vehicles. That's what the future holds, but we still hold those Buick brand truths, optimism, expressive design, and uh, technological leadership. Well, that's, I, and that's exactly what I, I saw when I first looked at it. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, Buick, who make great cars, great SUVs, kind of quiet. You know, not they haven't you know, rustled the bushes very much until this car came out which I think really expresses what Buick was, what Buick is, and what Buick is going to be. And I think you hit that one right on the head. And I think you said it exactly how we would like people to see it. <laughs> well, and, and they can't help but this is going to be, you're going to take this on a tour. It's going to be going all over, you know, the United States. You guys are going to get a lot of travel time. You're going to be at some of the bigger auto shows. And, you know, I'm sure if you don't take it to SEMA, you're crazy because, you know, all the – all the hot rodders, they're going to steal about 
13 uh, features off of that car and throw it into a who knows. And, you know, when I think of uh, Earl, I think about who takes wheel well coves and makes them beautiful. Harley Earl did. <laughs> but, I mean, nobody else ever did that. I mean, he was such an innovative. I love, I read his book, and, I, I mean, there are times when I wish I was born, you know, way earlier than I was. But, you know, very, very innovative. Now, it's a concept. You know, right now, production is, we're not even going to discuss it because it's definitely down the road, right? Yeah, we're not, we didn't build this as a precursor to any right. production vehicle. It's more of a showcase of design language, design elements, technological features uh, that are going to show up on Buicks in the very near future. Well, it's kind of a test bed. Let's try this mirror. Let's try this seat. Let's try this door. Let's try this steering wheel. Let's try this roof opening. And what was your concept about not making it a gullwing? Well, um, we had considered making the vehicle a gullwing door, but um, that is a it's been tried and done so many times. You know, Mercedes started in 1954 with the 300SL, 300SL, and it's ubiquitous, and they're hard to execute well. And really all we were trying to do was aid entry and egress into the seats of the car. So we said a more expressive way to do it is the semi-swing door that we call here, where the roof panels themselves open about 15 degrees, and then the rest of the door opens conventionally. It's actually a more theatrical way to open the vehicle's doors and no one else is doing it and we think it's a signature element for the car i I do too and the other thing there's no door handles there's no exterior door handles so it's not like you have to pull this massive door open get in and then try to figure out if you can reach out to grab it because it does open up the front and the rear occupants yeah yeah it's it's a single push button so the door is motorized this thing is so gorgeous, I can't even believe it. Um, so, again, as it being a test bed, and then once it f- finishes going around all the shows, then I'm sure then it'll become like a test mule to see if everything you've done to it meets the standards of Buick. Well, ag- this vehicle won't get tested, I assure you that. But each of the um, technologies that we're showing in the car are currently under development with robust validation to meet production standards so and who knows that some of these features could end up in future everyday buicks i mean i know you're going you're going all electric in 2030 2035 all electric by 2030 the entire buick range so there's a lot of concepts and ideas that could come from the wildcat into future vehicles and i have to applaud both of you and sharon for the fact that you've actually designed an electric vehicle that's appealing to the eye, and it has a front end. (laughs) Well, the face of a vehicle is very important, and a lot of EVs are... Try, brands are trying to signal that they are not an internal combustion engine vehicle by simply removing the grill, but that's just removing part of the face. Uh, we felt that the topography of the front end is very front end is very important. The grill can be sealed up, uh, which we've done. It's just got a few small openings, but it can still be part of the face of the car. So it's got a signature. It has a point of view and has an expressive face. And it's a fantastic place to put the logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) And the other thing I noticed now, it doesn't look like it has a front trunk. Is that was that is it going to have a front trunk or was that wasn't even in the concept? Actually, the front opens if you. Yeah, yeah. You can. I'm just not going to show you what's under there. (laughs) Did you hear that, folks? Did you hear what he said? 
But that's okay. That's the way he is. But again, you know, and I guess Sharon and I talked about this off off air. The fact that picking a color to accent the amount of chrome, because folks, if you like to wax and you like to shine chrome, this car has got your name written all over it. And if you ever have any of the seats that you don't want, I, that would make a great office chair. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you think of office chairs, they're product design. These seats, there's a lot of product design language in there, but they're sculptural, they're beautiful, and they fit the car. They really do. I mean, it's. I always love coming to design centers because you guys are a total different breed. You know, I mean, I don't know if you're all dropped when you were children or not, but for some reason you have... I, you have a camera in your head. like So you have a concept, right? When you see something, I have a camera, but there's no film. Designers are always looking at things, always paying attention to the world around them yeah. and, and ways to make things better. I mean, everything we see and touch, we visually analyze it and think of how we can make it either function better or look better. And that's just how we're wired. Well, and what a great way to be wired. Because, I mean, when you walk through the world and you're looking at things, you know, you and I will look at like a, a bottle of water. Well, you'll look at it and say, you know, if they redesigned that, maybe pulled it in about an eighth of an inch down for better grip. You know, right? Yeah, some people find us irritating. <laughs> or, it can, or it can be a curse because you always see the imperfection. You never see perfection finished. Oh, wow. I never even thought of that. That's, ooh, that's, yeah, that's kind of a scary thought as well. Well, I, I'm telling you, you know, I, I know concepts don't make it to the, to the table very often, but whatever you pull from this vehicle uh, to anything in the, in the future, hopefully it'll have that wildcat look. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. The roof. You were telling me that it's got like a single panel Oh, I know why, because the roof line opens up. See, I can answer my own question. Yeah, the semi-swing panels in the roof, there has to be a yeah. central spine structure that holds the hinging for that. Yeah. So that's what that center, center stripe is. Well, hey, see, you look at things as an engineer. I look at things as a service manager. My joke with you guys, not you personally, but is you guys used to hang parts with a wire, with a piece of wire, and then build the car around it so I couldn't take it out. You know what I'm saying? That's called space efficiency, space utilization. Oh, is that what they call that? Okay, well, I'm not going to hold you to that one. But, uh, wow, this is uh, – so now this is the only one you're, you've built and the only one you're going to build, right? Yeah, for now. This is the only one we're going to build. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to talk to Sharon about this. I'm just going to go ahead and just instead of end – let's see. Yeah, I can end this. We're going to take a quick break because I want to talk to Sharon about color because she had a lot to do with this one. Hold on a second, folks. We'll be right back. All right, folks. Welcome back to Yak Radio with Dave Stahl, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by San Diego Gear and Axle. Anything to do with your drive strain, Steve can do it. Whether you want a conversion or repair, an upgrade, gear change, axle, you know, axles removed and replaced, suspension work. Anything under the vehicle, Steve at San Diego Gear and Axle can take care of that for you. All you need to do is go to sdgearaxle.com for all your automotive needs. <clears throat> all right, we're going to go back to the interview with Bob and Sharon and discussing the Buick Wildcat concept. Just sit back, take a listen. All right, let's go to Sharon. So, Sharon, when it comes to colors, you know, you, you were telling me outside that you know, that it had to be a certain color. So you guys had other ideas for colors, 
but how did you settle on and, and do you have a name for this color we actually haven't named this color which is unusual normally we always do but this one has no name so if it's something you can think of let me know wow that's gonna have to make me think because it's not silver and but it's just it's got such um such a such a, a, a glow to it i guess i don't know does that make sense you know, it it does um and and the reason it it is so uh beautiful is it's multi-layered paint it has many levels of pigmentation so there's a real depth so as the surface starts to change ever so slightly so does the color the color moves with the surface okay that makes sense and then you've got 22 inch wheels on it and they're just absolutely gorgeous i'm sure you had a a wheel designer that couldn't wait to get his pen and paper going and there's no lug nuts it's a center it's a center nut for all you nascar fans out there but it has a nice little cover that you know so it's just just again another piece of jewelry yeah and then and when you look at the wheels i mean we describe it as as, as the turbine look wheel um you notice that on the outer edge of each spoke it's a multi-spoke wheel there's a transition in the way the metal is detailed and surfaced. So there's a slight bright edge against a very beautiful brushed main surface for each of the spokes. So again, every detail in this car has been considered everywhere, inside and out, and multi-levels, multi-layered levels of detail. And let's talk about the tires. I mean... I was kind of surprised uh, you, you, you use Pirelli, correct, or Michelin. I knew I was going to mess it up. But you guys design the tread. I mean, that's kind of odd, isn't it, that you would tell a tire manufacturer what type of tread, and what was, what was the, the thought pattern there? I, it's probably not unusual. I think when you ask uh-huh. a designer, we want to design everything, and especially because there's so much emotion attached to this vehicle that – every single detail was important so i guess it's no surprise that the designers to a degree become it's control freak is not the right term but they they want they want to be in control of every aspect of the visual so it's no surprise that also the tread of the tire was a design feature and it's not like you can see the tread real easy without getting down on your hands and knees and really taking a look at it, but it's still your car, it's still your tire, and yes, you know, you guys can make it, but this is the tread design. And I have a sneaky feeling there were hours and hours and hours just going into the tread design. How many hours do you think, Bob? Uh, a hundred? <laughs> We looked at a variety of different tread proposals and then consultation with Michelin on what they could and couldn't make for us. Yeah, a lot of thought went into those treads. Okay, so you, you, you come up with a tread design, but you don't drive the car. So you don't know what the performance of that tire is, or does Michelin mount it on a set of wheels not and, and just tell you what the performance is going to be like if you did decide to drive down the road? Generally, it's fairly common with concept vehicles to have a tire manufacturer do a custom tread without doing any sort of oh, testing. Okay, okay. They're just visual. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So that that's good, and, and no white walls. I was glad. I was glad to see that. So, anything before we close that you that maybe I've missed or I didn't ask enough questions because my heart's going about a hundred miles an hour because that thing is. I mean, that's. I know you want to take it home. 
Yeah, I, I think the only thing I would add, and, and we've we've said it over and over again, and I'm, and I'm really delighted that you appreciate how beautiful it is because it really is from the way it sits on uh, on its tires, the proportions, the, the, the first read, beautiful surface, the, the size, the proportion, the details on the inside. I mean, I think the one thing I would like for people to know is it was really born out of a passion of love to take the brand forward but also a passion around design so this this vehicle to us represents a moment in time that in the future we hope will be spoken about because the vehicle represents where we're headed from a brand point of view where we're headed from a design language point of view and really is in itself a beautiful piece of artwork so I think it has a lot it can tell in the future, today and tomorrow, around storytelling, um, but it's just a really beautiful piece of work. That, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, that car out there is a coffee table book waiting to happen. Don't you Don't you kind of agree? I'd buy one. I'd buy one, too. Because when you, when you see a car that came from A to B, and we won't, there's some things in there we, we, we didn't talk about, which we're not going to because somebody will get yelled at. But the history of that car from A to B, three years, four years, whatever the case may be, I think five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30, 50, that'll be a history book for a coffee table. Get somebody out here that really knows how to do the photography. And, man, I'll tell you, well, I, I can't, one, thank you enough for uh, allowing me to come up and see this car. Uh, it's like I've just found three brand-new friends that, you know, we will be talking later on down the road because once you take it out, and, and show it to the public. I want to kind of hear what the concepts, because that's what you're waiting for too. Okay, you got one, okay, out, it's outside of the team. Now let's see what the rest of the world thinks about it. Yeah, that's the whole point of these studies is, is to gauge public reaction, gauge media reaction as well. And it has been wonderful to see the uh, overwhelmingly positive response we've had so far. Well, there's a couple grumpy old media guys out there. I can't wait for them to look at it and see if they come out as just as positive because if they come out negative, just don't invite them back again. All right, folks, it is the Buick Wildcat EV concept. Uh, TV commercials coming out. Uh, you'll see it by the time this airs. This is going to air Sunday from uh, 1 to 2 on KCBQ. Uh, and Bob, Sharon, again, I, I just blown away. I, I can't wait to uh, you know talk to you guys more down the road, if not future concepts. But okay, I know you don't talk about future product, but you got something else in the works as far as a concept goes. I can't tell you that. I knew he was going to say that. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, a whole lot more. All right, folks, welcome back to Yak Radio on FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. This segment is brought to you by John's Automotive Import Repair seventy four forty seven. University Avenue in lovely La Mesa. Uh, if you've got, if you're looking for a good, honest repair shop, you can't beat John's Automotive. He's got two locations. Go to John's with an S, um, San Diego Auto Repair.com. Two locations you can choose from. This happens to be specializing in the import world. And then they have a general automotive world. And he's got a little side gig going on doing classic cars. But in those two locations are, like I said, Napa Auto Care, ASC certified, AAA approved. All your uh, warranties are for 336 clear across the United States. You really can't beat John's 
Automotive Repair. Plus, he's really big on supporting the Boys and Girls Club out in East County. I think he started with one and two, and I think he's doing three different groups out there trying to help these kids see a better life. I donate as much stuff as I can to him just to, for raffle prizes because he has a big casino night uh, once a year just to raise money to, to support these kids. So hopefully you enjoyed that Buick Wildcat concept uh, interview. Uh, it was so interesting to go up and see this vehicle in person. And the interview, of course, you know, there's commercials and videos, all sorts of cool things online that you can look at. You know, and, the, and just the touches of the emerald green carpet and the bright orange seat belts. Uh, I couldn't help but keep calling it a piece of jewelry. Uh, would I like it to be a 455 Buick motor? Sure, I would. But it is what it is. You know, we can cry about it all we want. So we either that or we just have to, to deal with it. Now, it is a concept car, so there's a good chance this vehicle itself will never hit the hit the dealerships. But parts and pieces will. The technology will. Uh, the drivetrains will. The seats, the dash. And Buick is looking at the future totally different than I think the rest of the car manufacturers. You know, Buick is not into cookie cutter. You know, they don't want to be like everybody else. And you can see that in this concept. You can see it in the fact that it actually has a grill, uh, even though it doesn't have a radiator. It actually has a distinctive uh, logo on it, uh, even if it is a little bit more modernized than what we used to see back in the day. One of the things that they said was the designers, and I don't know if I mentioned it, but the, the kids that designed this vehicle were all under the age of 30. And the first thing they did with the Buick emblem is they took the ring off. They got rid of it. They said they don't need the ring. And I have to agree with them. I, I love the way it looked. Uh, but it was strictly jewelry. But when you can do a, a multi-layered silver slash gray exterior and white and chrome, and but then emerald uh, carpets and orange seat belts, it just fit. It may not, if you don't get that drift uh, watching it online or, or looking at videos, YouTube and whatnot, then it's unfortunate. But this car will be at all of the major auto shows. They're going to drag this thing all over the all over the place. And it is just such a head turner, but it just goes to show you, you know, what the future could be. Okay, electric propulsion, electric propulsion. What do you, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, we already know that... At this point in time, we have no way to propel these vehicles because we just don't have the infrastructure. I don't care what anybody tells you in the government. We don't have the infrastructure. Uh, Will we eventually have it? I I don't know. Um, We need to go back to fossil fuels. We need to go back and start there and then start working on the future uh, as far as propulsion goes. Uh, and I got to tell you, it's not going to be wind and it's not going to be solar unless solar and wind uh, technology really, really ramps up. And I'm just saying, you know, I came back from a cross-country trip and I went through wind farms and over half the, the, the fans uh, were not turning. You know, they were just sitting there. And, and and that's not efficient. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. And then as far as solar farms go, 
you know, man, I tell you, that's a lot of property and that's a lot of Chinese solar panels. And, you know, I think if we're going to do that, we should build everything in the United States. And I think the government should have truly started, you know, a long time ago doing the infrastructure. But let's see what happens in the next 18 18 years. Let's just see where we end up because they're all talking 2030, 2035. And who knows what the technology will be. You know, the administration did finalize a chip uh, grant to start building chips here in the U.S. Uh, the raw materials are still uh, suspect because, you know, China and Russia have, have more of the of the materials to do it than we do because, you know, so so there's a lot of challenges facing us as a driving community. Uh, all I can hope for is that, uh, you know, that we catch up and we start doing our own thing. And then, like I said, there's another concept car out there right now, the Dodge Charger or the, you know, the Charger, all electric, absolutely beautiful. So... At least we're, we're 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 getting into the into the game plan to where what we're building is go, it's just going to be absolutely beautiful, and it's just going to take time and it's just going to take a lot of work. Uh, the gas powered automobile will be around for quite some time because there's just no way they can eliminate it, whether it's a car or a truck. You know, it's it's you know when you're hauling gear across the United States or what it's just. We're just a long way off, okay? But at least we're kind of going in the right direction. I just hope that, you know, everything is being made and, and designed and built in the United States. Now, the competition across the board is going to be massive, and that'll be across the, the world as well. Every car manufacturer's design team is working on this project, but that Buick is, if that's any inclination as the future, of cars, because I've always said we don't have to build ugly electric cars, and for some reason we have. And I don't know if we're doing it just because we want to stand out, but there's no reason to be ugly. You know, we can be state of the art, we can be gorgeous, and we can really, really put a mark, you know, on the on the uh, on the planet when it comes to that. Now we are gonna. You will be seeing that car in a lot of the auto shows. I'm sure the L.A. Auto Show, you know, Detroit, New York, Miami, you know, some of a lot of the big shows, you know, they'll have that car on display. And I'm sure the competition will as well. Uh, even though auto shows aren't what they used to be, you know, that's that's we're just going to have to wait and see how that that shakes out because there's still issues where, you know journalists just don't seem to want to go to them like they used to a lot of your car manufacturers have pulled out because of the massive amount of money they have to spend to participate in a car show and if they are going to participate they're only going to put cars out there that you and i can buy whenever that comes back around because we still have issues with chips and parts and there's just you know, the inventory is still not out there. We're still, I thinking we're a couple years away, maybe three. But if if last week wasn't uh, an eye-opener for me that the future's bright when it comes to design, 
you know, we'll see. But I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, if we don't come out with a reliable, good-looking ten to $20,000 electric car, we're going to be in trouble. Because, you know, just because you're, the government wants to give you a $7,500 tax credit that is really taking our money and giving it right back to us if we decide to buy an electric car, you know, it's not going to do any good for the people that are going to school, the kids that are, you know, doing minimum wage, even if it is 10 or $15 an hour. You can't afford a sixty to $70,000 electric car. Now, granted, uh, Chevrolet has probably been one of the best, and there's been some other manufacturers as well, you know, that'll get you a thirty, forty thousand dollar car. And some of the other manufacturers have too. But even then, I mean, you got to have a pretty good income. So, all I'm saying is, I had the time of my life. I can't thank Buick enough for their hospitality, and I really can't wait to see what they're going to do down the road. And I was so glad to see Buick come up out of the woods and participate. All right. Hey, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. You've been listening to Yak Radio. Coming up next, you ought to know. I've been driving the 2022 Volkswagen Golf Autobahn uh, manual transmission. Oh, when did you hear about that? Christian Barclay is going to talk Lexus, and Brian's going to talk Mercedes. Right here on FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 